Welcome to episode 61 of Communicast, a communication skills podcast. I'm Scott D'Amico, president of Communispond, a global communication skills training organization. In order to be a great communicator, you need to focus on connection, clarity, curiosity, and commitment. Fantastic advice from my guest, David Dye. David is the president of Let's Grow Leaders, which provides practical leadership training and tools for human-centered leaders. In this episode, we discuss how to effectively share your ideas at work, the importance of having the conversation, and the four C's of effective communication. I hope you enjoy. David, thank you so much for joining me today. It is my pleasure. So glad to be here, Scott. Absolutely. Definitely looking forward to our conversation. I think we're going to have a lot of great stuff to talk about. Before we get too far into it, why don't you tell the listeners just a little bit about you, your journey, and the exciting stuff that you're working on today? Absolutely. So uh won't take you all the way back to the beginning, but I had a uh, almost 20-year career in uh, the nonprofit and human service world, uh, doing everything from entry level all the way up through COO, CEO, um, national expansion, replication, uh, all that sort of thing. In the process of doing all that work, I did a lot of management development. I self-educated, go to the bookstore, learn everything I could, every one shelf at a time kind of a thing. And uh, and then eventually in my more senior roles was replicating and doing a lot of development of leaders and realized I really enjoyed that. So I kind of retired from that career, started my own business doing leadership and management development, coaching, facilitation, uh, keynote speaking, workshops, all that sort of thing. Started writing books, uh, met my partner, now partner, Karen Hurt, who uh, was doing a similar thing coming out of Verizon, realized we had a lot of alignment in terms of human-centered leadership and a really practical approaches uh, to human-centered leadership. And uh, so we started writing a book together uh, book came out, realized we'd become very good friends, more than friends, fell in love, merged our businesses. And uh, so Let's Grow Leaders is the name of our business. Uh, and we've been around for 12 years now, some 10 years, 10, 11 years, somewhere in that, that ballpark. And uh, uh, so we're a global leadership consultancy, work with organizations around the world who want to do human-centered leadership. And uh, they're not trying to check a box. They're really trying to change their culture. Outstanding. Oh, what a great story just to be able to, to meet like that and develop it into just this, this lifelong partnership now. I very love it. So you, you hit on this idea of human-centric leadership. Maybe for the listeners that aren't exactly familiar with that phrase, just kind of high level, delve into that a little bit, really where companies are truly bought into this. What does that look like? Yeah, you know, it's you're keeping the people element, the human element of everything front and center in every decision you make uh, as you're, you know, it's not about neglecting results. So it's not people instead of projects or that sort of thing. It's it's and we call it landing in the end. So it's a it's a constant focus and everything we're doing. I am looking at both results and relationships. So I'm having an accountability discussion. Uh, with somebody on my team whose performance isn't where it needs to be. How do I focus on the relationship and helping them achieve the results that need to, to happen? And listen, sometimes the most people-centered thing you can do is also let somebody go. This isn't a good position for them. It's not working out. They don't have, you know, there's no sense in letting somebody sit and suffer in a role that isn't good for them, but they haven't found the courage or confidence to leave yet. Sometimes that's an act of compassion too. So that people-centered, that compassionate approach is keeping the humanity at the center of everything while we go about producing the business results that we need to do. 
Excellent. I love the expression landing in the and. I think oftentimes with life, when you focus on the and, you're going to end up in a good spot. And for me, it kind of goes back to this idea I've always talked about is not being a, quote, do more or do better leader. There's a lot of folks I think fall into that camp is like, well, you're not performing. I need you to do more. I need you to do better. I need you to sell more and just think that miraculously because they told them that and perhaps put them in fear that they might lose their job, that things are going to change. So it is, I think, walking right alongside with them, understanding where they're at, understanding perhaps what's going on in their world. And then ultimately, from a servant leadership perspective, understanding how can I help you? I'm here to serve and to help you grow and to be successful. What does that look like? Or perhaps what does it look like to prepare you to move on to something else where it might be a better fit for you? Absolutely. Well said. So I would think, David, throughout your career, both from the the nonprofit and the human services space, as well as the consulting work that you're doing now and the training work that you're doing now with organizations and their leaders, you've worked with some pretty phenomenal communicators, probably some, maybe not so much. But when you think about communication and when you hear that somebody is a great communicator or that they have really strong communication skills, what's that mean to you? What does it look like to you? When I think of great communicators, I think the number one thing is that they understand who it is they're talking to, whether that's a single person or a 2000 person audience, they understand who they're speaking to and they understand what that person needs from the communication, from that engagement and how to do it. People receive communication in so many different ways and need different things and everybody's got their own filter and so great communicators i think start by acknowledging where their audience is and then taking them on the journey meeting them where they are and then taking them on that journey Uh, there's a lot of skill in all of that but that to me is what i think of when i think of a great communicator right it's about focusing in on the audience and i think very similar to a, a great leader a great communicator realizes it's not all about me. You know, yes, I have my message out here. There's something that I'm trying to get across. But if I take the time to really understand the audience, both where they are, maybe from a knowledge perspective on this particular topic, and then also what's going to be important to this audience right now. If I think through those things as a communicator and then start to tailor my message accordingly, that's when you see a lot bigger impact with your communications versus taking this one size fits all approach where you deliver the same message to maybe multiple levels or multiple groups within your organization. And then wonder why you know, it falls flat a lot of the times, so like you said, it's understand the audience where they're at and then how can I help them get to where they need to be? So true. Absolutely. So as you're going out there and working with organizations and helping them develop their employees, develop their leaders, especially with this human-centric approach to leadership, what are some of the core skills that you're finding really are in need out there? What are what are employers hoping to focus on and some specific skills they're looking for their learners to, to learn or their leaders to learn? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when... And we've been talking about one of them already, but when we look at uh, our, our latest book coming out in May is called Powerful Phrases for Dealing with Workplace Conflict, What to Say Next to De-Stress the Workday, Build Collaboration, Calm Difficult Customers. And when you look at what it takes to work effectively together and 
uh, minimize destructive conflict, build more of the productive conflict and collaboration that we want to have at work and it makes work enjoyable. Uh, there are four dimensions that if you are communicating in those, if you're investing in those, they're going to minimize destructive and, and increase your collaboration. Um, the first one we've been talking about is connection. And so the four C's, they all start with C, but connection is, do we know one another as human beings? So as a communicator, as a leader, do I know my people? Or if I'm trying to influence up, do I know my manager? Do I know what they need and want and what's important to them? Um, do I know who they are as a human being? Uh, second is clarity. And this is one of the ones that goes lacking most often. And uh, I think when I think of communication problems, this is the one that causes the most frequent, if not the most uh, severe, also definitely the most frequent communication problems is a lack of clarity. And so if when we're talking about clarity, do we have a shared understanding of success? Uh, do we have a shared understanding of our expectations of each other, of what a successful outcome will do for each of us, about the specific behaviors that we're going to engage in to get there, uh, even what our words mean with one another? One of my favorite uh, um, tools for getting to clarity is check for understanding. So you and I are having a conversation and I just say at the end, I say, hey, Scott, what I'm hearing you say is this. Do I have that right? Just checking for understanding and making sure that whatever we think we heard, we're on the same page with, right? So that's clarity. Then uh, curiosity. Are we open to new perspectives? And are we asking specific important questions to help uncover those we're actively investigating? It's not just, well, I'm open, but I'm actually investigating. How does that look from your perspective? Um, and you know, really engaging there and we learn so much and it also will help draw us out of all of our negative emotions when we get into those those spaces if we can get curious. And then the fourth dimension is commitment. And what I mean by that is that a lot of times in our communication challenges, it's Groundhog's Day, right? We're broken record of going through the same problem over and over again, like, God, do I have to talk about this again? And the answer for that is commitment, which is a shared agreement and follow through about what we're doing. So for instance, if you and I are, you know, let's say we uh, both lead teams and we rely on each other, mutual dependence for a, a work product, and I need data from you and it's been a stress. I know I'm stressing you out and, and it's you're stressing me out because we're not getting the data and we have a conversation, right? So we connect, we get clear, we get curious, we come up with a good plan, awesome. We're like, this is the plan? Yeah, so we got it. If we don't, schedule a follow-up we call this schedule to finish we don't schedule a time to review let's get to get back to get back together in two weeks for 15 minutes how did it go let's take a look at what's happened and if we don't do that we're not as likely to keep our commitment to each other and if something else gets in the way you know our boss comes and then blows something up there's you know uh you know sales customer comes in and they're screaming and they need things and oh goodness well that screwed up the whole thing we just built if we don't follow up on that and have a conversation about it. We made a commitment that we didn't honor and now our trust erodes and we don't trust each other just a little bit less. So it gives us a chance to talk about it and say, Hey, did you do the thing? No, I didn't do the, no, I didn't need it. Yeah, you're right. All right. What happened? Oh, our boss came with that thing and we had the customer who's okay. Let's figure out how to deal with that the next time it happens. And let's figure out if we can do this thing that we committed to again and, and recommit. So those four dimensions of, uh, you know, the uh, connection, clarity, curiosity, and commitment, if we can invest in those four dimensions, 
communication, leadership, teamwork, collaboration, all of it thrives with those four. And it's important to have those four. As you mentioned, you miss one of those steps. Perhaps you're missing the clarity. As you said, that's what really happens a lot in workplaces today. Or you don't have that commitment to follow up and really get everyone's buy-in that we're moving forward lockstep on this. It's going to fall apart. And you know, if I think about the idea of clarity, because I agree, this is a, a big problem in workplace communications. I think it stems from a couple of things that, quite honestly, can relatively easily be fixed from, from a clarity perspective. One might be a little bit harder to fix is sometimes it's ego. Ego on the, the, the part of the communicator in the sense that I understand this, I'm putting it out here, just assuming that everyone else is gonna think the same way that I do it and take my intent. And as we know, in communication, the way things are received, not always the way that the sender intended it to do. And I would I would almost extend that to almost never received. I have the more that I do this work, (laughs) the more and more I am. I'm not surprised anymore, but the more and more I see uh, that people never seem to have the same understanding. Right? We all have different personalities, different experiences, different. You know, and, uh, you know, I remember William Faulkner back in high school, like communication is impossible. Human beings can't communicate with each other. Well, I'm not a cynic like that. I do believe it's possible, but yes. it takes us work. Totally agree. So, yeah, I think some, some, at some point you have to check your ego when you're communicating. And then the other thing simply is, you know, people are busy. They're overwhelmed and they're moving fast. Yes. And when you move fast, you sacrifice the clarity. And I know my team is probably sick of hearing me say it, but this idea of slow down to speed up, you know, that extra 30 seconds to maybe two minutes that you take to review your slide deck or to review an email that's getting ready to go out to your staff. You take that time, sometimes pause, breathe a little bit before you press send or really just review and say, you know what? Based on who I'm sending this to, should I tweak it some or reorder it or rephrase certain things or cut out jargon if it's going externally? Think if you can do those two things. Somewhat check your ego at the door when you're communicating and just slow down a little bit really helps to solve a lot of those clarity problems. Yeah. And, you know, one of the that slow down to speed up piece, in addition to the tailoring and the suitability for the intended audience, one of the pieces that we see in this is you're absolutely right, Scott, in the fast moving Um, life of of leaders so often is that one element of clarity that gets sacrificed is the why. So we're passing down something and we're so busy and whether it's in a hallway communication, a quick online, a phone or whatever, in passing, um, oh, we got to get this done, got to get this done. And so the busy executive passes it down, assuming that, you know, that their VPs all understand the why. And I don't have to say that it's clear. Okay, they got it, but I'm in a hurry. So we Mm -hmm. don't. And by the time it gets to the people implementing it, <laughs> there is no clue about the why. And now you've got frustration and people are like, what, what is the problem with these idiots? They don't understand anything because the why was never connected all the way through where, like you say, two minutes of time at each stage of communication to ensure we've got the why, do a check for understanding, and now everything's working more smoothly. It's amazing the power of the why and the power of providing context. As simple as saying or writing, the reason is, or the reason we're doing this, or we're doing this because, because as you mentioned, sometimes you get from the C-suite where something's going on down to the front line that's implementing it, and it's gone through however many layers are at your organization, that why gets lost, it breeds resentment and frustration, and 
sometimes that why can be very important. This is a regulatory thing. We will get shut down if we're not doing this. And if that doesn't get carried through, you get people upset or people just choose not to do it because they disagree with it and think their way is better, not realizing ultimately they're putting the organization at risk because somebody didn't take that time to share the context of saying the reason we're doing this is, or even just in general communications saying, you know, the reason I'm asking you this, David, is because when you tell somebody the reason you're asking something, you provide that context, they're going to be more apt, I think, to open up and share a lot more with you. And I think feel less guarded in that communication. Absolutely. And even if you're not specifically making an ask, you know, if you're not trying to sell something necessarily or get a, get somebody internally to do something or externally, um, one of my favorite uh, powerful phrases is to start a conversation with my intent for this conversation is. And when you share your intent, like genuinely, transparently share your, hey, my, Scott, my intent for this conversation is that we can minimize some of the stress and headache that we're causing each other as we're working on this project and mm -hmm. in our daily exchanges. That's why I, I want to have this conversation. Okay. Yeah. Well, now you have a chance to enroll in that conversation. You have a chance to show up and go, oh, yeah, I'm into that too. And you may have a different intent that you can put into there. Like, okay, well, now we can solve for both of those. Yeah, I like the idea of kicking off the conversation or the meeting with sharing the intent. And I think as a leader, that's important to do, especially if you're working with someone on your team, maybe that where there are performance issues, mm -hmm. where if you're just wow. going in and, and asking lots of questions, once again, that person might get guarded, they might get defensive, they're going to get nervous. But if you say, you know, David, my intent today is just really to understand some of the things that are going on to figure out how I can best help you and set you up for success or whatever it may be. But setting that intent on the front end really does lay a good foundation for a successful conversation. You're hundred percent right. When we, whenever we're working with leaders and, and one of our most popular modules is around, you know, difficult performance conversations and that sort of thing. And uh, absolutely. Hey, my intent for this conversation is I want to see you succeed. I believe you got what it takes to do this and I want to help you get there. That's not happening right now. Mm -hmm. And I want to help you get there. Here's some specific, you know, like, and we can get into that, uh, so absolutely, it, it just, it allows for a whole different kind of conversation. Shifting gears a, a little bit, we've been talking about what, what folks are looking for out of the organizations and some of the important skills in the workplace. But if you think about you and your career, David, you know, what are maybe the one or two top communication skills that really have helped you to get to where you are today, making that transition from you know, human services, nonprofit work, over into running a successful business, being a uh, you know top-rated author, you know, what are some of the skills that really have helped you to be successful? Uh, I'm going to go with one off the top of my head here that uh, I want to share a quick story about when I didn't do it so well. Um, so early in my career, like I'm talking year one and a half to year two, something like that. So I was a young guy, uh, and the CEO of our organization had put together this marketing event. Um, it was very important uh, from you know sales perspective and. Uh, I thought it lacked integrity. Uh, still to this day, I have not changed my mind about this, but I thought it lacked integrity. And I stewed about it you know, for four days, I, sleepless nights. Like, how could he ask this? Like, does he not? What is wrong with him? Like, where's his integrity? You know, and I was fired up and upset. And finally, uh, after four days, uh, and I did not use a powerful phrase, but <laughs> it was inelegant at best. I popped my cork and I was like, you know, Mr. CEO, I can't do this. I'm not going to be a part of this. This lacks integrity. I, I don't like this. I don't feel good about this. 
you know, and I want, I want to ask the listener right now to just imagine what do you think he said next? All right, now that you've thought about what you think he said next, here's what he actually said. Because I tell you what I thought he was going to say was like, well, if you don't like it, there's the door. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought I was going to get, but I was like so frustrated. I didn't care anymore. What he actually said was, huh, David, I don't see it that way. I don't think it lacks integrity at all. That's me. And I don't want you to violate your integrity. So what do you think we can do? How do you think we can do this in a way that achieves the marketing goal and satisfies your integrity? Okay. Huh. Hadn't thought about that, but very quickly I was like, oh, well, here's my thought. Do this. That'd solve it all. He said, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Let's do it. Like it was that easy. I wasted four days sleepless nights doing everything else. So when you're asking about a skill that I, that for me has been critical in my career and that I encourage people and really this, this next book, powerful phrases for dealing with workplace conflict is all about, you gotta have the conversation and the most important conversation is often the one we're having in our own head. I was having this whole conversation with the guy and arguing with him and yelling at him and everything else in my head, but I never had it in person. And when I did actually have the real conversation, it gave him a chance to make a different choice to do something different. But if I always filled in his answers in my own head, Mm -hmm. he had no chance of doing it. So in that situation, my silence was selfish. And I get, you know, the fear and everything else and where it comes from. We don't have the skills, but that's for me, that put me on a path. Like I got to learn these skills. I have to learn the skills. I got to learn how to have the conversation and I got to have the conversation because when you do something can change, but if you don't, nothing can change. So that for me is number one, two, and three of, of useful communication yeah. skills. Go talk, go have the communication. Oh, great story. And it, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. This idea of have the conversation. One of the past guests here said, most, if not all conflict in the workplace can be boiled down to a conversation that did not happen, mm-hmm. right? Most conflicts not coming out of conversations that are happening. It's coming out of conversations that didn't happen. And so kudos to that CEO for having the emotional intelligence to be able to handle that appropriately and empower you uh, rather than just say, yeah, okay, hit the streets, get out of here and potentially losing a good employee, but to step back, Check that ego that we talked about a little bit and then start to understand, well, gosh, if David feels this way, perhaps other people might feel this way as well Then to open up. And then I would say the third thing that I would add there is it comes up a lot. I get asked this a lot from people is, you know, how do I bubble up concerns or new ideas or we used to do this at my other company, those types of things. And, you know, for me, it's always about when you do those things, one, how you do it and the tone that you use is, is important, but also coming at it with a solution mindset, mm-hmm. not just kind of say, okay, here's the problem and then dump it on somebody else and then want to walk away from it and let them solve it. Really, ultimately, you should be coming to the table with some sort of ideas or solutions as to how you would do it versus just, I don't like this. I don't agree with it. And then, all right, figure it out. I'm going to lunch, but really come to the table with some sort of a solution. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Our, our last book, Courageous Cultures, is uh, all about, from that perspective, how do you build a culture of doing that? But then as an individual, when you have an idea or you're trying to share that, 
uh, you know, we use a framework we call the idea model. So I, why is this idea interesting? Why is it strategically relevant? What problem does it solve? What result does it generate? That is of concern back to putting your audience at the, the forefront. That is mm -hmm. of concern to whoever it is I'm talking to, whether it's my boss, my boss's boss, whoever it might be. Um, that's I interesting. D is doable. Do we have agency over this? Because if I'm saying, you know, well, my idea is let's get an act of Congress to change this thing. Well, that's not going to happen. Not in any short time frame. Maybe that can happen in the long mm -hmm. run. But if I'm proposing an idea, I want to get traction. It needs to be something we have agency and I need to be able to demonstrate that. Um, e is engaging. Who else needs to be engaged in this idea? So if there's an IT component or a finance component or whatever else, before I try to run it by my boss, I should probably go talk to those folks and figure out, okay, what resistances or concerns might they have? Why might they want to support it? Can I get them on board? What's again, you know, those kinds of things. And if I can go with them, if not literally, at least figuratively, that they are on board and here's how we can make it work. And then finally is A, when you're proposing your idea is A is action. What is the very next, what's, I, I think of it as the smallest yes. And you know, salespeople listening, right? What's that first yes you can get? You have somebody nodding, right? So what's the smallest next step, the concrete thing I can ask for? Whether it's permission for me to do something, whether it's something that's small that I need the, the person I'm speaking with to do. It's one of the biggest mistakes we see when people are bubbling up ideas. Like, I feel like this should be blah, da, 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 da. Okay, well, what am I supposed to do with that? And really, that's what my CEO did. He's like, okay, David, what am I supposed to do? Now, he, mm -hmm. like you said, he had the emotional intelligence to say, okay, what specific action would you recommend? I didn't have any of that in my thinking and my immaturity and my youth at that point. But yes, so that idea method, why is this idea interesting, doable, engaged? And then what are the specific next action that we would take to do it? If we can present our ideas that way they have a much greater likelihood of gaining traction and even if they don't now you're seen as a strategic thought partner who's thinking critically about things positioning them in ways that are meaningful and that only elevates and helps your brand and, and your professional brand at work spot on yeah bringing ideas to the table is is good it's helpful but if you don't bring them in a way that ultimately are going to see something happening with them. And sometimes I think can just be viewed as you, I don't know if complaining is the right word, but if you're always just bringing something up about how we can do things different with no follow-up, no thought behind it, it, it's nowhere near as valuable. If you're coming to the table and you've gone through this idea model, great way to build your, your professional brand. And especially for those people out there that are in individual contributor roles that aspire into leadership roles. That's one of the best things that you can do is to bring well thought out, clearly articulated ideas that you said are interesting, that are doable, that have been engaged. And then you have, what are my very clear next steps for this? One of the best ways that you can set yourself up for future leadership positions. Yeah, for sure. We, we call those people you're describing uh, idea grenadiers. You know, it's kind of like they pull the pin of an idea, throw it in your office and run the other <laughs> way. And uh, if you are an idea grenadier, you're just overflowing with ideas, that will help you to trim some out. Like yes. if I've got 100, okay, well, if I use this method, then that will help me vet maybe down to 10 or 11 that are worth sharing. And if you are leading an idea grenadier, share this model with them and say, mm -hmm. hey, look, you've got so many ideas. I know there's some gems in here. Um, here's the model. Think, put them through this, bring me the ones that, you really feel confident all four of those steps are there 
and that will help them to think those through and, and not overwhelm you with all the idea grenades. <laughs> Great advice. So David, as you think through your career journey, who has been somebody that has influenced your communication style? Maybe something you've taken, tweaked, made it your own. You just talked about you know, an example of the CEO, how you learned there, but is there somebody that's had a really big influence on your style? Yes, I go all the way back. As you're asking that, I'm thinking through my career, but I'm going to go even farther back to when I was uh, like 11, 12, 13 years old. Um, my, I had a Boy Scout uh, uh, leader named uh, Gary Pratt was his name and uh, great mentor, uh, learned so much about leadership and so many different aspects of life from him. He was a great leader uh, and a great mentor. And one of the things that, and I still do this to this day, any time somebody did something for him, handed him something, gave him a gift, uh, passed him the napkin, didn't matter, like anything, he would say, thank you, sir. And those in the middle of all the hecticness of, of life, when we're talking about basic human-centered communication, like there's that I see you aspect of things, and to say, I recognize I am interacting with another human being and saying, thank you, sir, or thank you, ma'am, or thank you, person, whoever, whatever the right modifier might be. Um, but I see you and I acknowledge you and I acknowledge what you did. Like that element of communication is something that I learned from him very early. And I don't always get it right, but I'm always striving to include that and embody that in my communication. Expressing that gratitude really does have a profound impact. And it is sometimes just as simple as saying, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, David. Thank you, Scott, whatever it is. And it a lot of times will catch people off guard. It's not something that is widely consistently practiced. And you know, as you said that, it made me think every time when we sit down at dinner, I, I have two kids, I have an 11-year-old and a 14-year-old. And, you know, they're at crazy ages and we're at a crazy phase in our life with so much going on with, you know, my wife and I both working and kids activities and running and meals and all that stuff. But, you know, whenever we sit down at the table, it could be, you know, a, a nice, big, fancy home cooked meal or simply heated up some mac and cheese that both the kids. Thank you. Just and it's just every time they say it every day and it's, it gets me every single time because they're recognizing whether consciously or subconsciously that there's a lot going on. Mom and dad have made this effort. Sometimes it's a great effort. Sometimes we miss the mark with it, but yeah, just that little gesture saying thank you is so powerful. Absolutely. You know, and it's a, uh, as I think about applications of it, I actually had uh, uh, in my career, you know, you're always learning from, so hopefully you're always learning from somebody. I'm always mm -hmm. trying to seek out the people I can learn from. And circling back and saying thank you and letting them know not just hey thanks for the time like that's the immediate thing hey thanks for your time thanks for sharing that with them appreciate it but then there's the follow-up like the week later the month later the year later after you've done something with whatever they shared and following up with that and demonstrating what you did how you used it um, and if you can even tailoring it even more you know i'd like to i, I used to make it a game and find out um, what people enjoyed or liked. I remember one guy who uh, helped me early on in my career with marketing work and uh, learning some of these things. And, and he really loved Belgian beer. So I found, you know, a bottle of one of his favorite things and, and gave it to him as a thank you. 
didn't it cost ten dollars yeah it wasn't expensive right. but he went and told so many other people who could also help me like oh my gosh david is the best thank you person i've ever met you know that kind of thing yeah. and i'm not i just happened to get it right with him but but what a powerful thing thank you and gratitude is and there's so many different ways to work it out so yeah definitely so before we wrap up here, David, I have two final questions. One, can you tell me a little bit about your friend sitting there next to you, I think over your left shoulder? Uh, and then, yeah, exactly. Just closing piece of advice that you would have for the folks listening to this, just really around the impact that the skills that we've talked about today, impact that they can have on their life and their career. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so my friend over the shoulder here is, uh, for if you're just listening and not uh, viewing, is a, a lion. Um, and, uh, and he's sharing ideas and contributing and, and, uh, so forth. And why a lion? Because, you know, lions have a, uh, they have that kind of the courage of a lion kind of a thing. So there's a synonymous embodiment of courage. And we have a whole menagerie of them, of, of lions doing experiments with test tubes and sharing ideas. And there's all kinds of different lions cutouts that we have. But the, the point behind all of them really goes to the second question that you asked, which is, uh, that final piece of advice. We, uh, uh, when we were writing powerful phrases for dealing with workplace conflict, we wanted to find out what was happening in the workplace with regard to conflict today, over the last couple of years. And so we surveyed over 5,000 people, 46 different countries, and asked them, is conflict getting worse or better for you? Are you more or less of it? And 70% said it's the same or more than it's ever been. And then we asked like, well, what's been one of your biggest conflicts that you've ever had in your career? Lots of different answers you can imagine. Then we asked, well, if you could go back and talk to your former self, what advice would you give them? And that's where it's just so fascinating. 55% of people said, I would tell myself to be patient, stay calm. 21% of people said, I would tell myself, talk about it, have the conversation, speak up, address the situation, right? So 76% of folks saying, I would tell myself, be calm, stay patient, have the conversation. And so as I think about that final word of advice, there are all of the tools, and we've talked about some of them, but in some of the phrases that you can use to get into these conversations, like sharing my intent is and that kind of thing. Lots of different ones. We shared about the check for understanding, scheduling to finish. We've talked about a lot of tools today. But the first conversation you have to have is the one with yourself. And that conversation um, some specific phrases you can use for yourself if you're struggling to find the courage to go have the conversation is what's at stake if you stay silent? Uh, what, why does what you have to say matter? What are the values that you're speaking up on behalf of for yourself, for your team, for your customer, for your, for your manager, whoever it might be, right? So what's at stake if you stay silent? And silence is selfish in those situations. So go have the conversation. Nothing changes if nothing changes. So that's my final piece of encouragement as you're listening today is to have that conversation with yourself. That's some of the most important communication we can do. I wholeheartedly agree. Great closing words, David. Thank you so much for not only taking the time out of your schedule to be here, but just for sharing your expertise. I know I picked up on a number of things that I'm going to start implementing in my day-to-day -day routines with my team and at home. Great actionable tidbits here. Thank you so much. 
thoroughly appreciate it. Really enjoyed the conversation. And I will be sure in our show notes, for those of you that are listening, you can check the show notes for ways to get in touch with David as well as links to his book. So David, thank you again. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Scott. Thanks for the conversation. Take care. A special thanks again to my guest, David Dye. David's model for how to avoid being an idea grenadier can help you to accelerate your career growth as you will be viewed as someone who cares, is thoughtful, and is willing to put in the work. As we wrap up this episode, remember that the journey of improving communication skills is ongoing. Make sure to stay connected with Communicast by subscribing so that you can benefit from future conversations with guests. If you found value in today's episode, I'd be grateful for your support. Leaving a rating or review is a fantastic way to let us know the impact this show has had on you. Thanks and have a great day.